Well, we made it. A hundred episodes. Really, really hard to believe that I started this thing um, three years ago, I think now. And now it's episode 100. Uh, it's going to be a special one for two reasons. One, Mr. Matt Farah is joining me on the show. We actually recorded this months ago, only to have him graciously offer us to use his video at his place at um, his car storage spot. The video of this show will follow this introduction. Um, so those of you who are used to the YouTube being a stagnant image, I've got news for you. Uh, today, there will be video playing in just a minute. So... <laughs> Without further ado, here is uh, the introduction to my chat with Matt. And big thanks to, to Mr. Farah for having me over there to Westside Collector Car Storage. Uh, great facility. Thanks, guys, for hanging in there. Episode 100. Let's get it. If you're an automotive enthusiast, I'm sure you've heard of today's guest, Matt Farah. I'm confident in saying his channel, The Smoking Tire, inspired countless people to make car videos for YouTube and though he didn't invent the business model for car storage, he certainly made a name for himself in the space. It was at his offices within Westside Collector Car Storage where Matt welcomed and hosted me so we could record this episode. The level of hospitality is immediately felt when entering the building, and given the fact Matt's father held several seats in the C-suites of some of the largest luxury brands on the planet, it doesn't take long to understand why. We chat about Matt's upbringing, his cars, both the ones he owns and those he's sold. On top of that, Matt's been a watch collector for the better part of a decade, so of course we explore his relationships within the space of horology as well. This was a fun one, and to boot, Matt extended the invitation to use his equipment and film the show. I can't thank Matt enough for the hospitality and the time. It was truly a pleasure. If you'd like to watch this interview, it's available on the Standard H YouTube channel as well as the Standard H website. As always, thank you for the support, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm your host, Wesley Smith, and you're listening to the Standard H Podcast. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time, man. No problem. My pleasure. Good to see you. Thank Thanks you for coming for the to tour. me. Yeah, yeah. No, no problem. I'm up here all the time for production and stuff for the apparel, and you know, are you San uh, Diego normally? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Home base is San Diego. Then uh, cruise up here to get the cut and sew done. Oh, where's the fact? The factory is like downtown or something. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, exactly. So have it all made here. Um, nice. So you know, smaller carbon footprint in that way as well, because it's all cut, sewn, dyed, everything within like five miles. Oh, cool! So it's awesome. Yeah, it's nice. Um, you and I actually share a bunch of mutual friends. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I want to start off with you nearly hitting a horse in Dieter's Gullwing. Sure. <laughs> That's the whole story. <laughs> tell tell I how did this horse. happen? What? <laughs> but I was just driving in. I guess it was a Rancho Santa Fe. Yeah. And uh, the they ride horses down there. <laughs> Somebody was crossing the street on a horse, and I had—I I don't think I'd been driving the car for more than, like, a couple of minutes. Oh, wow. And I just came around a corner, and there was a horse in the road, <laughs> locked up the brakes in a million-dollar car. Really? Oh, yeah. Full lock. Okay. So yeah. I don't have the details of the story. It's I on video. So, you, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. The video, the video is there. I left it in, and, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I almost hit the horse, because I stopped probably 40 or 50 feet. Okay. Um, but like, yeah, I fully locked up all four brakes in a gull wing, and and uh, when I a horse was in the road, <laughs> I think it was a, 
it was one of many uh, examples of responsible driving on my part. Right, right. Gave myself enough room to stop there in time go. to for what was a uh, you know yeah in the road. That's cool, man. Shit like that's come up. I mean, people, you know, there's there's videos of me like, and I leave that stuff in. Come around a corner. And there's people doing push-ups in the road. Come around a corner, and here's a guy dragging a log on a chain behind a Ford Explorer. And, you know, there's a lot of folks that'll, that would say, oh, my God, I was driving so fast. What if some crazy, unexpected thing came up? Right. And I go, well, here's a bunch of examples of crazy, unexpected things that have come up. Yeah. And in each of those examples... I have brought the car to a safe, controlled stop and not hit anybody. Right. So I think that my math was good. (laughs) (laughs) So what kind of driving schools have you done as a result of that? Is this all just from experience or have you been to Skip Barber and all that? I've done a bunch of drive. Yeah, no, I've done done Skip Barber basic and advanced. I've done Bondurant advanced. I've done... Uh, Team O'Neill Rally School. I've done Dirtfish Rally School twice. I've done Sweet. the Firm Rally School. I did the Wide Open Baja Off-Road School. Wow. Drift 101 and Drift 102. I've done a lot of endurance racing. Um, cool. You know, like, I'm not, like, Senna or right. anything like that, <laughs> but, like, I practice this stuff. It's not, it's not yeah. like, I'm, I'm nobody amazing, but, like, I practice and I also don't want to die you know and i try to i try to have fun and drive at a, a a pace that i think will be entertaining on video but without you know doing anything that's very dangerous you yeah. know i i uh you could notice in in videos like you don't hear me breaking traction mm. you don't i'm not sliding the car on a public road i'm never even really turning traction control off right um and so I'm not crossing the double yellow lines. You know, I'm trying to be responsible. Well, I'm trying to set a, a reasonably good example of here's how you can enjoy your sports car mm. in an appropriate location, in an appropriate manner. And maybe your morals aren't the same as mine. Like, there are people who are like, you are going over the speed limit, and the speed limit is the limit. And, like, okay, right. like, you can. You can think that. Sure. You know, that that's that's fine, but like at least acknowledge that I've taken the steps to like be in a, an appropriate place. And like with the thing with the horse, like I wasn't going fast. <laughs> right. You know, like I, I don't think I was going more than thirty. Like And those brakes are old. And those brakes I mean? are old. <laughs> so. But and I was in a somewhat residential neighborhood. Yeah. I I didn't I, I the goal with that with that video in that car was not to go as fast as possible. Sure. It was just to see what it was like, and so right. I was going pretty slow in that one. But you know, I go, I get up at five in the morning, and I drive as far in the middle of nowhere as I possibly can. And nine hundred ninety nine times out of a thousand, there's nobody up there. Right, sure. But yeah. I drive like somebody could be up there. So yeah. you mentioned Baja. Your Safari 911, mm-hmm. is that, that's gone? I sold it you last sold it. year, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. How did that car come about? Was it presented to you? Did you dream it up? Like, oh, I, no, I'm even I didn't talking like Lee Keen builds those right, things. Yeah, he, build, he builds them, yeah. but I'm thinking like the spec, right? Like with the bus seats, um, you know. I, I went to North Carolina to draw to Lee's. I've known Lee for a very long time. Cool. Uh, since like 2006, like a really long time. Um, when he was like up and coming, you know, kid you know, racing driver. Mm. And I was, I hadn't even made videos yet. 
It was like before I even made videos. And because um, he raced for this team um, that is now defunct, but was in, in from Connecticut, where I'm from. And okay. he raced for them. Um, and uh, he, he told me I was making this show called Tuned, which was about modified cars. Okay. Uh, on the, the Drive Network on YouTube, which sure. is not really. It became thedrive.com eventually. Um, but uh, I was making this show, and Lee was like, hey, man, you know, I'm doing this thing with these off-road Porsches. And uh, he sent me pictures of his, and I was like, well, that's fucking amazing. And uh, he goes, do you want to come out to my place? He goes, I have a rally stage. And I go, well, yes. Um, and he has, like, a vacation home, like, in the woods of North Carolina. I want to say it's North Carolina. I grew up I, in Raleigh. Does I the URE forest No, sound I don't familiar? I want to say it's North Carolina. If you drive straight north from Atlanta on 85, just straight north, you'll hit Charlotte. You get to North Carolina, Correct. right? Okay, yeah. So it's right over the border. It's yeah. very close to the Georgia Carolina border yep. and it's it's somewhere in the woods. I see. Smoky Mountains. Okay. Beautiful little place. Yeah. And it's in the middle of nowhere and there's this road that's not like an official rally stage, but it's like seven or eight miles dirt road, and it comes to a dead end. Interesting. And so if you go to the end, and there's no one there, and then you work your way back, you now have a closed road. Right. <laughs> you have closed the road. Right, right. And so he brought the car, and I had a go in it, and I was just blown away by what you could do with it, mm -hmm. um, that you could transfer the weight and initiate the slide and... Mm. And it was just the greatest thing ever. And I and I said, the second after I drove it, I said, I, I said, just I have to have one. I have to have one. Put me down. Yeah. And he goes, okay. Well, it's going to be like a year. Yeah. You know, wait. Right. And so, and I go, okay. Well, and then he goes, it's going to be this much money. And I go, holy <laughs> shit. Okay. Wow. I go, well, what what can I do to possibly reduce some of those costs? Right. And, you know, we talked about media stuff I could do to, to promote. Sure. And then he said, you know, if you buy a great car, because a lot of the cars that he was starting with were pretty scruffy. Oh, as a donor. Yeah, as a donor car. Yeah. He goes, you know, the better the car you start with, right. the, the less we've got to do later. Sure. Um, and so I was able to, to find a really great car that happened to be I, I, this Cassis red color that I didn't originally think I was going to keep, okay. but then I saw it in person and immediately fell in love with it and went, right. oh, well, we're, we're definitely keeping this. Got it. And um, I saw it at and then just Picole. went from there. I think, was it the back lot one? The one the, where it was really dirty? Yeah. I left it, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah, went yeah. out to El Mirage and, yeah. like, got it completely filthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and it was amazing. I had I was it was basically my daily driver for like three years. It's the perfect car for Los Angeles. Yeah, I thought that because of the it's, pothole. <laughs> it's 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 up there, but also, you know, Lee has some very specific because it's a series build. Mm. He doesn't want each one to be totally different from the other ones. He wants it. If you're getting a keen car, it's got to have certain things. Right. So for instance, he wouldn't let me leave the stock mirrors. He wanted to put on these rally mirrors, which are great if you're hucking the car through the woods and there's trees and stuff. Right. But it made it really hard to park. Right. You, the, they, you couldn't see anything out of the mirrors. The mirrors were awful. And uh, just a formality, really. And also it has this, it had a, a very high performance clutch in it which was really heavy. Yeah. And um, 
you know, it was so you could clutch kick and do and really abuse the car and it would take it. And that's great. Um, but, you know, when I was sitting in traffic on La Cienega, you know, in it, I was my I, I have my body is just destroyed from driving cars. And, and I've had a, I had a bad ski crash 10 years ago. And I and, and so I, various things in my body are just fucked. And so one of the things is my knees. And so after about three years of driving this thing, right. it really started to beat my knees up a little bit. And um, most people I have a Lamborghini Countach and most people go, oh, my God, how do you deal with the clutch? Like. The safari clutch. The safari clutch was heavier. Yeah, the yeah. safari clutch was actually heavier. Wow. And I go, you think that's bad? You should try this. And people would get in it and go, oh my god, the weight of this of this clutch. Don't get me wrong, it was an amazing car. Sure. And I took it skiing. I had snow tires with it. I'd drive it to Mammoth. It was a blast in the snow. Yeah. Um. And and it was fun. Like it, you know, it was a it was a really cool thing to to drive around LA and and to take on trips and yeah. and whatnot and it was not a bad car at all um but uh after 3 years um I was like I had done I don't know 7 8000 miles in it which for me is is a lot for one got, car yeah well yeah I've got press cars that I'm right. driving and I've got six cars of my own so to put that many miles on one car means I really do like the car yeah um but um, I found something else that I wanted, <laughs> and and I just uh, you know I called Lee and I said, look, man, you know I love this thing, but I haven't really been driving it much the last couple months. My knees are killing me, and and I go, I, I think it's time to move on. You know, do you are you? And he goes, I'll call you back in twenty minutes. And he called me back in twenty minutes, and he goes, I'll give you, you know, this this much. Okay, for so it. he bought it back. From he you. bought it back yeah. and sold it to the next guy in line. Sure. Who originally I think was going to take all the bus fabric out and change the interior, right? But people keep sending me this photos of the car. The guy does stuff with it. The cool. guy, the guy, the guy who bought it was pretty cool, and and I only met him the one time, but he seemed very cool. And he's done a bunch of stuff with the car. He's been at events and he's been out, and it's still got the bus fabric in it. So maybe like the color, you know, maybe he thought he didn't want it until he saw it, right? And he realized it was uh, it was actually very cool and kept it. I still have um, a couple of yards of the bus fabric, sweet. And I'm eventually will do something fun with it. I yeah. don't know what yet. I'll figure it out. Uh, Where I'll, did you get it to begin with? The fabric? Lee wouldn't tell me. Oh, Lee, Lee got, got it. it. Lee okay. got it. I see. Yeah, he he wouldn't. He he showed me a few different examples. I knew I wanted something very aggressive. <laughs> the stuff he had done before my car yeah. was more like Porsche Houndstooth and Pasha right, right. and stuff that was cool. Yeah. And fun, but I was like, no, I want something because I had this Fox Body Mustang, and I used like outdoor patio furniture fabric for it, and it was wild, and it was great. Like sombrella. It was like halfway <laughs> between, like cholo and like what your grandma's couch would look like. I love it. It was there's. I'll show you photos of it outside. It's it's really it was wild, That's and cool. I was like, I I want to go more aggressive from this. Got it. And then he he showed me the bus fabric, and he goes, "I've been sitting on this one." He goes, "I you know he found it somewhere." You're the perfect customer. And he goes, I, "He goes, this is going to really work with your car, and you're the only person I know who would actually try this." And I go, "That's 100%. and since then he's built other ones that were crazier. Mm. He built one that was like the Lego mat. Oh whoa! He built one that was like actual cow hide, like with the fur on it." 
you know, where they leave like the yeah, fur on, yeah, on the yeah. cowhide. Yeah. He's he's done a couple that were insane. Wow. Um, and I'm I got a little jealous when I saw the Lego <laughs> mat one. I was like, oh god damn, that's a great idea. Like I should have done that. That's yeah. hysterical, man. Mm-hmm. All right, I wanted to know. It was a rad car, though. I want to know kind of your vibe, like the all-encompassing, big-picture, emotional aspect of a lot of these car companies going electric. Mm-hmm. Like, because I know you've had a, a Volt, right? I had a Volt. You, you had a Volt. You loved it. I had a Volt. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And so, I have a Mach-E now. Are you super stoked on everybody going electric because you also well, have the Countach at your Well, disposal? yeah, no, I mean... Uh, but, like, what? what's your vibe? Well, first off, we've got... It's a big question. Yeah, yeah, it's a big question. So, you know, I don't believe that being a car enthusiast and thinking that environmental issues need addressing need to be mutually exclusive. I'm not like a yeehaw, Cole Roland motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, that's not me. Now, there are, I don't, I don't think anything necessarily in terms of, if there's cars that already exist, vintage cars, like, I'm not for like banning. Right. Any car that already has been built and exists and is owned by people. And there's certainly cars, whether it's the Lamborghini Countach or whether it's the 1971 Dodge Challenger 426 Hemi. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, these are collectible items at this point. They're driven a low number of miles every year. And in fact, even, you know, when it comes to, like, I don't think Ferrari should be forced to make EVs, you know, right. these are cars that are driven a very low number of miles mm-hmm. a year on average. They don't build a lot of them on average. And so to hold Ferrari or McLaren or what to, to the standard of, well, you need to do EVs because your cars are inefficient. It's right. like, well, yeah, right. but right. You it's know, a small ingredient in this huge pie. Yeah. And um, I just saw I just saw um, an interview um, in the current issue of Road and Track where I am editor at large. Mm. Some of the, I don't read the whole magazine until it comes out. You know, I read the parts I wrote <laughs> and, the, and the rest I have to wait till it comes out. And right. so there's an interview with Pagani. And he did the math on the CO2 emissions because yeah. they were talking about him being forced to build an electric car. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he said, you know, I just flew on a 747 <laughs> right. from Buenos Aires to Rome. Just offset this car by five years. And he, and he <laughs> said, he said, you know, and, and he's, he's, he's a smart guy and he did the math and he said something to the effect of 15 intercontinental flights on a jumbo jet like that mm-hmm. is more emissions than every Pagani ever built for the entire life of life cycle of the car. And so when if you really do that math, it's like I want to do the things that actually are helping right. and not the things that are just performatively appearing to help. Now, back to your original question, do I like electric cars? I do like electric cars. Sure. The ones I've driven, I've overwhelmingly liked. I've, it's very rare that I drive an electric car and go, well, that was terrible. <laughs> and if I if I don't like certain things, though, it's rarely because the car was electric. Right. Um, at at um, especially at the lower end, where cars like the Volt, which is an entry level car, or sure. my Mach E, which is a lower, it's still it's, it was still fifty five thousand dollars, but, but a it's lower not. Spec of the... Yeah, it's not a Lucid or a Rivian. Right. You know, it's at the it's at the the bottom half of the EV market. Sure. It's a very refined experience. The power is smooth and linear. When you're sitting in traffic and you don't have the vibrations of an engine or the jerks of a transmission, 
you know, you don't really realize how much those things impact. Uh, when I drive an EV and I uh, uh, and I'm sitting and I'm in some 45 minute slog mm -hmm. to get somewhere to run errands, I'm more relaxed. Yeah, having driven the EV, so I don't mind driving an EV in urban areas, in traffic, in commuting. Right. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I, I actually enjoy it. Yeah, it's probably just a more zen experience within the other It's quiet. Chaos. It's smoother. It's, you know, I drive with one pedal. Right. You know, right. there's there's all kinds of ways that can make that experience more relaxing. Sure. Um, the infrastructure needs work, absolutely. Um, and they're not good for everything. They're right. not good for road tripping in certain ways. They're not good for towing you know the electric trucks aren't great for towing heavy trailers long distances like all right that's fine not everything needs to be right. perfect for everybody um and i do think that the the very best sports cars right now are still powered by gasoline yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah. doesn't mean you can't go quick in an ev you can oh, i mean sure. you try tycon turbo s right. like they're nuts yeah um and and lucids are really fast and and um tesla plaids are really fast but like um I just, it, I, I, I am concerned that if by forcing everyone to build EVs, right. we then are forcing people to build more mines for rare earth metals. And, and we're really just kind of offs, offshoring our filth you, to other places. You know what I was thinking on the way over here? Because I, I obviously knew, I saw that question coming, uh, was like the disposal, yeah. right, of the all the cars on the road. The... the now the, the 2003 Toyota Corolla that's sure. going to be in a landfill one day or what have you. Like that's that started to go through my brain of like, I mean, there's literally a million 911s made, right? right? So like you can imagine how many cars there are in this world. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a business opportunity, but like uh, I don't know, do they become well? There are businesses can, if cans for our canned goods. Or well, there's <laughs> businesses for. Well, first off, there's there are car recyclers. Mm. Um, if if you ever really want to, there you know, there's there's places that will salvage Porsches and Lamborghinis and Ferraris. I mean, when I used to work at the exotic car rental company, mm. we would call these salvage places for parts for all kinds of stuff. Oh, I bet, yeah. You know, and there's, you know, you, oh, you need a, a coil pack for a Huracan? Like, no problem. Like, you can get that stuff. And so there, there's businesses off, you know, Dis dismantling these cars and selling them for parts and then they recycle the metal where they can um and and for battery packs there are people that are doing some very innovative things with used battery packs i mean sure. once a pack becomes 50% really you know of what it should do mm -hmm. it can't really power a car very effectively right. anymore but it can still be used as a portable power supply, you know, to run like an off-grid camping kind of lifestyle or, yeah. uh, you know, little little home electronics and stuff like that. It can be used as battery backups. Like some of these like overlanding people use them as power supplies. And so, you know, just because it can only move a Nissan Leaf 50 right. miles instead of 85 miles like yeah. it'll run your laptop for like a week you know especially <laughs> yeah. if you pair it with a solar panel and and whatnot so there there are secondary markets for the battery packs mm -hmm. um we don't have enough evs on the road yet to figure out what happens 
when there's really a lot of battery packs to dispose of and exactly how that's going to look. And we also are not yet production ready to build all the batteries that oh, everyone totally, says totally. we're going to need. So. And I was just thinking the gas cars. Like sure. when those become quote unquote not obsolete well, they've, because they've, you could still... that ecosystem has existed yeah, for years. Yeah, yeah. We have junkyards yeah, and we for have sure, for sure. recyclers and dismantlers and pick and pulls and yeah, yeah, yeah. that that ecosystem is that that problem is solved. I mean, it's not solved in a hundred percent because right. there's still some waste. Yeah. But in terms of the overall life cycle, if the question is is an EV better than a gas car overall life cycle? It hasn't really been long enough to determine that yet, mm. but in places where the power is generated cleanly, like California, yeah, yes, it is cleaner to buy an EV. Right, not right. by like a ton, but it is it is cleaner. Sure, and also like if I'm not kidding myself, and I'm just talking about the experience and the driving, like in places where it fits my lifestyle, I got chargers here at the shop. I got chargers at home. I love my EV for every day, and I will probably never have another gasoline everyday runabout car because right. I because I enjoy it. Sure. Yeah. What did you want to do as a kid? Like first, I wanted to design cars. That's like, what you wanted to draw to be them. When you, I wanted when to draw them. Yes, I yeah. wanted to draw cars. Okay. Be that guy that would draw the concept cars and stuff like that. Yeah. Jay Mays, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And and then I wanted to write for a road and track. I wanted to to be the guy who reviewed the cars. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So do you still do you get as much enjoyment out of writing as you thought you would have? Oh, a lot more because I didn't I never actually liked the writing part of it. <laughs> okay. Growing up, like I didn't like English. Right, sure. You know, I wasn't like horrible at it, but, but I you didn't, probably weren't writing things you wanted to write about. I not really, no. Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah it sucks. <laughs> yeah, and I also had to you know, you were being judged on your like the perfection of your grammar and sure. whatnot. And Intimate, once yeah. I, I an interesting thing happened, which was I got I don't want to say famous, but I got well known enough for how I speak. Okay. That if I just started writing like I talk, right? Even if the grammar isn't perfect, it still worked. It'll resonate. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't, you don't need to be prim and proper about every little thing if it sounds like. If people, when people go, when I read that article you wrote, it sounded like you were talking to me. I could hear right. your voice reading it. Yeah. A lot of writers don't have that. Right. You know, I'm lucky because I started with video and podcasting and then went to writing. Right. And so a lot of people who read my writing, not everybody, but a lot, know the voice and the cadence and they realize that I'm writing like I talk and so they can hear me narrating it to them when they read it. So do you use voice to text when no, you write? No. Okay. But like Maybe that's you just should. how but that's just how it comes out. <laughs> Maybe more time efficient. For Maybe. you because it's I use voice to text voice when, anyway. I, when I text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like No, no, the I software is there. I, yeah, uh, of course. That's uh, why I asked. No, I can type That's pretty fast. Okay. That's I'm cool. old enough that I had typing class <laughs> yeah. in elementary school. Yeah. You know, and I, I really split the – and I'm young enough that, like, the internet was a th – like, it, yeah. the internet was a thing when I was in, like – became a thing when I was in, like, seventh, eighth grade. So, like, by the time I got to college, yeah. like, all kinds of shit was on the internet. Right, of course. Napster, porn. Yeah. All that stuff, you know. But, but I'm young enough – or, uh, but I'm old enough where all the stupid shit I did in my real youth 
is not on not the documented. internet. Yeah, yeah, it's not exactly. on the internet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You'd have to break into my house and steal my print, my photo prints to see the drugs I was doing in high school. You That's know? hilarious. Yeah. I know you were a photography major in college. Yeah. I imagine you still shoot in your free time and, and yeah, have you ever fun seen those YouTube center cards, cameras? bro? So what what are you using? Like what do you have a go to setup, favorite camera? Um, I lost all interest in artsy shooting okay. when things went digital. Interesting. Yeah. So do you still shoot film? Occasionally. When I travel, I have a Pentax K one thousand. Nice. That is the camera I took seventh grade level photography in. That's great. Um, in college, I shot on medium and large format. Mm-hmm. Um, I shot my my senior thesis on an eight by ten camera. Oh, sweet! Um, which was like eighty five pounds and made of wood. You know, and you lug that thing around on your back. Pinhole camera. <laughs> yeah, it was old school bellows, <laughs> yeah. the whole shit. Yeah. Um, and I loved that. Cool. I really loved the Ansel Adams. Yeah. Kind of kind of slow, mm-hmm. you know spend half an hour to for one shutter pull yeah you know kind of thing um and i liked medium format a lot too i really liked the detail the richness yeah and i'm colorblind so i would shoot on um fuji velvia which is the the most color rich um slide film it was positive film so, so to your knowledge what color is your countach it's not like that's not how it works. Okay. It's, well, I know it's um, sometimes it's, red, it's like obviously. hues, right? It's, no, it's like it, it. you mix up certain colors like when they're close to each other. So like okay, good exa- a good example would be if, if there's a football game on TV and one team is wearing red jerseys and one team is wearing green or brown jerseys okay. against the green of the field, it'll look like everyone is on, wearing the same jersey. Oh, funny. Yeah, another good example is like is, camouflage works on me. If you're in the woods wearing camo, I'm not seeing you, bro. Like. That's that's literally that's that's why like colorblind people can get out of like military service because like right. colorblindness, yeah, like you can't see people in fucking camo. So, um, yeah, but but so what with the photography thing to to sort of counteract that, yeah, I would shoot the 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 most vivid. Color situations I could find with the most vivid color film, and the, if it looked good to me, other people would be like, "Holy shit, the colors of this!" And be like, "Yeah, you know, I could see it, so it's good." Wow, that's yeah. crazy. So really high contrast, really, uh, really opposing color spectrums. So yeah. what was your thesis on? Color theory my, or something? My thesis was on loneliness, so I oh. shot um, desert landscapes. And prisons, whoa! Yeah, I what didn't have a, did I didn't you... have a great you know mental situation going Look, on. Look, man, but darkness is the best. I, art I shot as far uh, as I'm Arizona and Utah high desert for Sweet. three months, and then I shot prisons around the Northeast also. Now, what? what how do you access a prison like that? Did you just simply most make a the, phone I, call. No, most of the prisons I went to were not operational. Oh, I see. Yeah, so like Eastern State Penitentiary in Philly, so where even... I went to school. Like was like an abandoned prison, and you could get in there. And there was some other, there were some other like mental institutions that were like closed down that you could get in, that had like a caretaker you could contact and get in. Yeah. So even the building was alone. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's deep. It was depressing, and and also <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the shots I took were large format and yeah. long exposure. Right. So you so, needed that time. So I'd be in this lonely place. By myself, you know, waiting an hour for the the thing to expose. It was a very lonely situation. That's what this tattoo is the 
uh, pariah wilderness in Utah. Dude, so I'm thinking about getting a tattoo, and you know, it's I, I I've like equated it to musicians, right? Mm -hmm. It takes you a lifetime to write your first album, right? So that's kind of where I'm at with the tattoo. Yeah, your first tattoo is like <laughs> real meaningful. Yeah, and like by like your tenth, they're like, ah, oh, they were given away for oh, free yeah, if I got cool. a number thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. What was um, what was your first job out of college? Uh, well, I tried to. I wanted to be a photographer. Um, Did you intern? I was a photo assistant yeah. for somebody. Okay. I fucking hated it. Yeah, we nameless. We'll, we'll just uh, skip names. <laughs> I, you know, I forget his last name, and he was actually as, he was actually very nice. It wasn't. I didn't hate him. Oh, it wasn't him. No, no, I didn't hate it him. I hated the job. Yeah, yeah. Where you have to you, it felt like at the time. It prob this probably is not true, but it felt like you did all the work and got, and then someone else put their name on it. Paralegal. Basically, you know, you're loading film backs and you're carrying fucking lights and yeah. you're, hey, move this stand over. You're, you're just doing shit yeah. and, and watching someone else go, you know, click, you right. know, and then, but it, but it was an interesting education and I wanted to, to be a photographer. And so that was what I was told I had to do. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not actually true, <laughs> but, but, um, but when I graduated from college, two things happened at, at the same time. First commercially available digital SLR camera and Craigslist. Interesting. And those two things, all of a sudden you didn't need to be great anymore right, because right. if you're shooting digital, you can make adjustments right then and there. Yeah. You can shoot a thousand frames. Delete button. Yeah. Just it, good enough became good enough. Now, of course... 20 years later, mm -hmm. now you really do have to be very good if you want to make the, the real good money. money. Yeah. But at the time, good enough was good enough. And you didn't, I, you didn't need to have a degree. You didn't need to really know what you were doing. Um, and, uh, and so that was not going to be what helped me move out of my parents' house, that, that gig. So I took a graphic design job doing like Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop, and I was working at a place that did rebranding, okay. like clothing companies or food companies were trying to relaunch their their sure. brand, and so we would come up with new hang tags and new store displays and a new sign and new packaging and all that stuff to create the the look of the brand, which was kind of boring at the time, but actually it it in the it would actually turned out to be very helpful. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Because now I know how to do it. Where was that? Was that in New, New York, York City? New York, yeah, yeah, New York City. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and so I worked with like a bunch of like retail clothing companies and stuff like that, and a food, a, a, like a, a bunch of brands that were on QVC, like people who got on QVC, and like didn't have any like like food packaging for whatever their product was. Right. And so we would mock up and make the the prototype packaging that they would go on QVC. Interesting. And uh yeah, and it, it you know after like a year and a half it got kind of dull but but, but in, hi in to... hindsight it was actually quite a useful thing cuz sure. when creating the smoking tire or when creating the brand for this, I like know how to I make a mood board. I know how to I cut up articles from magazines and get clip art from whatever and I go here's my aesthetic here's I can mock up the what the uniforms look like here and and shit like that and that's cool became helpful yeah helpful so, skill to have I mean my background's entirely in retail mm -hmm. I mean 98% of it anyway mm -hmm. um, 
your dad's had a very storied history in that yeah. business. And I worked I worked retail too. I mean, I I fucking sold shoes. I worked at Foot Locker for six years. I worked at Champ Sports. Like, I have I have a strong retail background. What's your favorite well. sneaker of all time? Of all time, of all time. the New Balance nine nine three baby. Okay, then rocking them today. Every day. I, mean, <laughs> I wish they opened the custom shop back up. I had a real budget for those. Oh man, that's um, cool. what um. So like, but what yeah, was your my upbringing dad, my dad like too. though when he was when and when he's in those types of gigs, right? Because I'm I would assume some like we're old enough that like your dad was probably fairly early in his career to some degree. Like, did you did you like did you see the growth of his career as what well? I guess a better yeah, we question. got bigger houses and better right. better cars. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, so okay, yeah, I did. What, what were the early cars? Um, for him or me? For well, him? F- for the family? Like at well, the time. his. When I was like a little kid, he yeah. had like um, a Mercury Lynx. Hell yeah! Which was uh, I'm pretty sure it was the Mercury version of the Ford Escort. It was it was not great. Um, and then he when he got his first like real deal job, like he was like he became like CEO of Saks Fifth Avenue at like 35, like young, like uh, shockingly young. It's like the Mickey Drexler. Yeah, it was it was shocking, and he got himself a Jaguar XJS, nice. which turned out to be a complete piece of shit. Well, they had all electrical problems back. Yeah, then. it was terrible. Yeah, yeah it was it yeah. was in the shop. Yeah. you know, and he got and he got rid of that. Yeah, um, we moved to Atlanta because he got a job um, running a department store company called Riches. Yeah, a department store. Sure, doesn't exist anymore because of my dad. Because it was losing money, uh, and he got a, a Saab 900, and he had a Saab 900 coupe, big, big golf ball, or s- it was soft, an automatic. Softball. It was okay, an automatic, okay. but right. yeah, it was a 900 turbo coupe, which I remember thinking was very cool. Yeah, um, my mom had I forget. Oh, my mom had a um, in the 80s had one of the a 300D Mercedes, nice sedan, which I. Uh, uh, I just I hadn't thought about this in so long. We she parked it at the end of the driveway with me in it. She got out to get the mail. I put it in D, and it and it drove through the garage, crashed through the garage. <laughs> um, uh, I don't think it totaled the car. I don't, but it definitely fucked the garage door up. I was like three. Amazing. Uh, and then she had a, a a Volvo wagon, 740 wagon, real suburban mom kind of thing. The best. Yeah. And then uh, my dad got a Lexus, uh, the first the LS400. He got the, the in 92. The, yeah, it was the like early 90s. First yeah. gen LS400. He got it in 91. It was like a 92 model. But it was, it was, that thing was like fucking whoa. It was amazing when that thing first came out. It was so quiet and so smooth. And those gauges that would completely black out and then light up. I mean, really amazing stuff. Um yeah, I remember those cars. My, yeah. So my my grandparents had a like a ninety four seven forty IL, but their neighbor had the LS four hundred, mm-hmm. and he brought it over. To, I just remember that show and tell day like yeah. it was yesterday. Yeah, that's the crazy. first time I, I saw that car. That was, years. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was so. It made the Saab he had before seem so old. Right, right. You know, even though it was only like I think the Saab was like an eighty nine, and this was a ninety one. But yeah. Um, my mom had a series of minivans, Mercury Villager minivans. Oh, of course. Yeah. And so, question, you've had your dad on your show, and I've yeah. thoroughly enjoyed those. Yeah. They're 
they're just wonderful. Well, conversations. He's, a, he's a genius, and he's he seems like such a an awesome guy. Like yeah, he's a, like, yeah, he like the kind of guy I'd want to have a beer with. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, he's super super interesting. How has your relationship changed, or has it? Since you were, I mean, other than well, like the parental thing, and well, other the than th- the fact that you can have a beer with him now, yeah, like has your dynamic changed at all? Or have you guys always been tight? Because you guys, well, seem yeah, pretty no, close. We, we've always been pretty close. But he, you know, he worked so That's much. Kind of why I asked. Um, he he was on, you know, he would travel. Mm. He'd go visit factories in Asia and Europe and 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 all over the world. He would travel, you know, two hundred plus days a year. Yeah. And he would also work very, very long hours, and so he he just like he he. It's not like he like I don't want to say he wasn't around. Like he wasn't like absentee, but like he was at work. Right. You know he he was just always always at at work. And we had great family vacations. They always made that you know a priority. I, I we were um, I wasn't like spoiled in terms of like stuff right you know I, I i didn't have like we we lived in a nice house and and my parents drove you know relatively nice cars it wasn't like crazy extravagant right um but we traveled well mm. um you know we would we would go vacation in europe stuff i didn't really appreciate until later yeah you know we went on ski trips to colorado and we had we would have nice travel tr- t- time together but he was gone a lot and he yeah. was always fucking exhausted he you know he beat him he he, he did did what i do now which is right, he would right. work himself to fucking death yeah and then like just collapse yeah um and and turns out it runs in the family i do that now too do you have siblings i have a sister a younger sister oh, she's okay. two years younger than me is she in the northeast yeah lives in connecticut has two kids oh cool ma- married yeah nice yeah but um He's great, and he's an amazing like role model in terms of like his not just his brain power, but also his like ethical mm. line. He's very very ethical, you know, and he he always you know seems to find the the considered right way forward. And I get a lot of emails, especially once he came on the podcast. I get a lot of emails from people who worked with him or went to high school with oh, him or whatever cool. and they're always like your dad was always solid. Like, solid 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 no i've never gotten one where it's like your dad fucked me like yeah. it's never happened so dude that's got to make you feel like a million bucks man well it's great it's great but at the same time you know it's a big shadow to to 100%. work your way out from under and and i have some advantages in life because of how hard he worked and how well he did yeah you know there's things that i either get to do or own you know or have access to to some resources that not everybody gets and sure. some of that comes from him and i try to just appreciate it and enjoy it and but without being a shitbag about yeah, it yeah yeah no know? i think that's fair i think you do a nice job of that too frankly i mean the way you conduct yourself and share these tidbits of details i think it's it's abundantly clear that you don't take it for granted, so to speak. No, I mean, there's, it's nice, but yeah. it's also yeah. like I appreciate that not everybody gets it, and yeah. so I try to share where I can and be a nice person where I can, and you know, you're yeah. not going to satisfy everybody, but right. I'm doing my best. Impossible. Yeah. So with your proximity to brands like Ralph Lauren, Tiffany, Saks, mm. how do you define luxury? 
Um, for me, it's always it always starts with with builds quality with mm. with uh, with a quality of manufacturer. Um, it it's when it comes to clothing. Yeah, you know, I, I want it. I want if it's a t-shirt or something basic like jeans. Mm -hmm. You know, I want it to to just be comfortable and last like a really long time. Sure. Um, that's especially like, you know, it's it's why I'm drawn to like Rolex watches, for instance. Totally. Like, um, I'm not gonna lie and say like, oh, I don't, I, I, I don't know what it means to be seen in a Rolex watch, but I also, having worn them for a long time, I know that you can treat them like absolute garbage, and they're really tough. Yeah. You know, um, it's Porsche. I like Porsche sports cars, because I've just beaten on them mercilessly, and they never get hot, and they never fucking break i mean it, it's it's the most masochistic brand you know yeah. from, from a car standpoint yeah. because they want to be driven yeah in fact they break when they're not driven is my understanding yeah well they can rot yeah rubber yeah. and seals sure. and stuff goes bad there's anything is better to use i mean I, my you know um, i have an old lamborghini and it's and it, the more i drive it the better things work yeah. and if it has to sit because i'm traveling or don't have the time then it's not particularly happy yeah. after that right um but yeah, I mean, whether you're talking about clothes or shoes or furniture or a home or a car, um, luxury means it's not disposable. Right. It's 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 got it's it's made with a consideration of it, that it's that it's made to last and it's designed to hold up to the type of use and abuse that someone who's not really thinking much about it might. Um, might might put on it you know how do you balance car ownership and purchasing power with just enthusiasm and appreciating it for what it is personally yeah i mean i i buy what i like uh i buy what i want to use and if i'm not using it anymore i sell it yeah um just like with my safari you know i i I used to say things like, I'm going to keep this forever, and right. that was dumb <laughs> yeah. because inevitably I would uh, move on mentally or, or whatever, and then I would want to sell it. And I'd go, well, I just put myself in a hole of saying I was going to keep this thing forever. What will they think? <laughs> yeah. You know, and um, so now I don't say that. Now I say, right. well, this is what I want now, and if tomorrow I don't want it anymore, I'll sell it. And Have you found that parallel within watches as well oh for sure if i don't wear a watch for like six months and i have more watches than i can wear sure um most most people on this podcast fit that description yeah i, I probably have i probably have like 20 20 22 watches yeah that's a good number it's a bunch of watches yeah. and most of i mean well i would say that more than half are under a thousand bucks cool I like Seiko's a lot. Yeah, and the I didn't end up with twenty. I ended up with twenty two watches because if I need if I need the itch scratched, more often than not, I will buy something that's relatively cheap, you know, and have, have like I like I, I work with some customizers that customize the Seiko divers in ways that I like. I'll change yeah. the 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 bracelet or the hands or the crystal or have the have fake fake aging patina yeah. i would never do this on a, a rolex or right. a, a expensive watch but on a cheap watch you know whatever play have fun um so i've probably got 
five or six Seiko divers, and I've got a couple. I got you know like a G-Shock and stuff, some stuff like that. Cool. And then I have a, a, some higher end pieces as well. But if I if I don't wear it for like six months. I will I will sell it. It's gonna go. Yeah. And and that's fair. It's like not driving a car to your point. Right. And also I've only been into watches for like eight years. Yeah. And so there's there's not a lot of like watches I wanted when I was a kid that I can now buy, which yeah. is like what my cars are. You know? Um the the cars I had on the poster are now the cars I own and that's cool. Um but I don't have that with watches. So right. as I've learned more about watches and as I've figured out what it was that I like, I've gone through a couple different phases, you know, and, and, and sold some stuff. I now know that the perfect watch for me is between 40 and 43 millimeters. Okay. And is between 10 and 13 millimeters thick. Okay. No chronographs, mm. you know. For legibility? I just never use it. It's just it adds thickness and heft, and I just don't. I I do have a Daytona. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I have I have a Daytona, but but it's that's that's so it's a Daytona. What I like about that is it's a it's not for telling time. It's a right. horrible watch for telling time. But if you're gonna have a bunch of Rolexes, you probably should have a Daytona in there yeah. somewhere. And um and I like that watch for a different reason. But but um, but pretty much no chronographs and and I and nothing that has to be kept on a winder like I don't fuck with like perpetuals anymore yeah I remember like the IWC which was a very cool watch it, it is. really is but I, I I it bugged me out that it was this very expensive watch that I couldn't keep in my safe because it had to be on a winder right and I was like it's gonna get like swiped or something yeah so that bugged me out um what's on wrist today it I'm looks special. A, uh, it's it's not particularly special it's a it's a uh, a, a date just two. Okay, with so a, the forty-one uh, millimeter. Uh, yeah, with uh, with a smooth bezel, Arabic and numbers. it has Arabic numbers in blue. It's a sil silver dial, Arabic numbers in blue, and I got this watch um, because my wife. I got her uh, a an Air King from the nineties, like a men's thirty-four millimeter yeah. Air King from the nineties cool. that has the same silver dial. And blue Arabic numbers. No way. It only has um, twelve three six nine on hers. Right. Um, and whereas mine has one through twelve. Yeah, because she has no date. Uh, correct. Yeah. And so this this is as close a watch as like my wife likes when we match, and so she she gets us matching T-shirts when we go on vacation. She's very creative, and so she makes like fun. We went on a boat trip, and she got us shirts that said Matt and Hannah motorboating. Which is like pretty Amazing. funny, you know. She really makes across the chest. Of yeah, course. yeah, yeah. And so, um, so this this is as close as I could get to matching my wife's watch. So that's why I got this one. What was the most recent purchase, watch wise? Uh, well, literally last night. Oh no way! I cool. I bought the new Seiko Five GMT. Sweet. Which was an impulse buy, um, and I literally bought it using my Amazon points. So really? it's free. Yeah, it's free. It was just point. I have a bunch of points on Amazon. So it'll because, be here in two days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I don't know what I'm going to wear for a couple of days and see what we're going to what I'm going to do with it. But That's I wanted cool. to try the the new GMT, and uh, I've got like a bunch of turtles and yeah, uh, yeah, SKX based divers and stuff. And the Seikos are the best. I mean, oh, they're, they're just, awesome. I mean, purpose they're, built. I send I, so many people. To, you know, what's the best watch you can get under five hundred bucks? Seiko diver. Yeah, straight hundred percent. Um, and there's so much you can do with them. I mean, I all of mine are customized in all 
not crazy. One right. one is crazy, but but um, most of them I just tweak a little bit here and there to to make it my own. And you know, for for five or six hundred dollars, they're every bit as satisfying to wear as something that is literally ten or twenty or thirty times um, the cost. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I also like. I mean, I have like a you know like a Pepsi GMT Rolex that that I got for my wedding. It was a wedding present from my father. Jubilee. Yeah. So I, the, I love that, and I love my no Explorer brainer. too, um, which I wear a lot. I wear the Explorer all the time. Yeah, so that's a great piece. I have I have the same GMT, and honestly, man, it's like I had it on the other day, and I was like, this thing could be a one. Probably watch probably the collection. best watch ever made. Like probably it's just in terms of like iconic design. It, it wear dresses it with up, any outfit. Down. Yeah, I, I wore it on with a wedding suit. Like yeah. perfect. Wear it with a T-shirt, perfect. Smash it into a wall, no perfect. problem. <laughs> yeah. It's it's probably possibly the best watch ever made. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. Mm. If you were to distill your car and watch collection to two cars, two watches, what would you do? Well, it sounds uh, like the Pepsi GMT might be a part Pepsi. Of that. I'd keep the Pepsi GMT and um, and then my my Daytona probably, which is a gold Daytona with a. Tahitian black mother of pearl dial, it's pretty aggressive. Amazing. Yeah, but if you want to, if you want to rock them, shock them. That's the one. To, that's the one to wear. <laughs> yeah. And and I would go with the uh, with the the Mach E and the Countach. Oh wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like you, that. I'd, I would want. I would want. I wish I had reasons to drive the Countach more. Right. My other cars keep me from driving the Countach more. And I want to drive it more. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I think that sort of sentiment is is great for ownership of anything. Yeah. Like you want to use it. Yeah. You know? I do. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I've always got press. You know, I've got other press, car, press yeah, cars. Yeah. Exactly. Through, so you're getting in stuff yeah. all the time. Yeah. Do you consider yourself successful? Yeah. What, what defines that success for you? I mean, I, I. I mean, there's a there's a there's an objective ways. Sure. I, I built a business here, and it's full. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, I said I've got I've got 130 spaces to offer at this price, and here's the facility I've got, and 135 people have said. I was gonna say, and it's full. <laughs> it's full, and we have <laughs> yeah. a waiting list, and I'm building another one. So by you know, this project was very hard. Mm -hmm. Westside Collector Car Storage. The construction it took four years. It was very, very difficult. I knew it was long. I didn't know. It was yeah, four it was four years. years. Um, but at the end of it, I I hypothesized that if I built this thing, they would come, and I did, and they did. So and not so interrupting you, but when when you're building something for four years, like, I mean, obviously you're making payments on this stuff, and it's not yeah, it's even horrible. being used. Oh, it's horrible. Holy shit. It's horrible. That's got to be miserable. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Wow, interesting. You're just writing these monster checks. <laughs> just and property tax, checks. I'm assuming. Do you property own the land? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, cool. Property tax. I guess you the, have to if you dug that deep. You, know, you so. yeah, yeah, you yeah. and and also if you don't own the land, this business model doesn't really right, work. Sure. I mean, it's it's if you if you were having to rent or lease build this type of infrastructure mm -hmm. for something that you don't own, I mean, is just kind of that's not good. It's kind of stupid. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Um and then also, like, you know, although I, although I am not as successful in a, from a media perspective as I could be, 
or and maybe I'm getting old and maybe I'm on the back the back half of that career. And when you say media, what what do you? You talk about to? YouTube. You talk about podcasts. I mean, the podcast is successful. YouTube, I probably was more successful a couple of years ago than I am now. There's really? more people. Yeah, because YouTube is like a really a, it's like a volume game. Yeah. And I just, you know, you need the energy of youth to do that, and I couldn't keep that up forever. What's your posting schedule these days? Well, I'm doing, we're doing eight videos a month now, but I used to be doing 16 videos a month. Oh, is that right? So yeah, you're I was doing, doing four. Half. I was okay. doing four days a week okay. for three years. I, I don't know. I see your content all the time. It yeah. seems, well, but time's flying. So mm -hmm. even if you're doing half, it's like it seems like. Well, that's it's two videos awesome. and two podcasts a week now, yeah, yeah. as opposed to four videos and two podcasts a week. Right. So. You know, but but also I get to write for the magazine, you know, and, totally. and so it's um, that's the magazine that I dreamed of writing for when I was a kid. So now I now I have that that job. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I guess objectively I, I am. I don't have to think about money very often. Which is great. I, I you know yeah. I don't have so much that I'm like flying on private jets everywhere, but right. but I've got enough where. It's something I don't have to really think about very often, which is really, really nice. And so, and I also don't have kids, so and I'm not going to have kids. So, Got it. so you know, and my oh, by the way, my wife is more successful than me. So, what does she do for work? She's the head of research at Twitter. Whoa! Yeah, research. So, yeah, man, she must be busy. Yeah, <laughs> very busy. Yeah. Fact checking. She works. And... <laughs> Not that. No, <laughs> no she. It's uh, it's user experience. So, oh, I see. you know, if we make this button red, how does the audience react? It's 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 the of kind of testing. Yeah, A B testing. It's focus groups. It's what how what does your home screen look like? You know what? How does the algorithm work? How does it feed you? suggested items versus people you follow and well, it's good she's not at instagram right now <laughs> i know right yeah well she used to be at facebook which which owns instagram yeah, course, and yeah. and so now she's at uh, at twitter which you know is an interesting place to be right now yeah that yeah yeah but she's you know she, ownership and she's such. very successful so between yeah. the between the two of us we we do okay That's and awesome. fortunately she likes weird cars you see the nissan pow downstairs I, I that's hers oh, no the little ja the little blue yeah. japanese yeah, yeah, car yeah, yeah. that's okay. hers and she has a Delica also. Yeah, the Delica. The was, yeah, 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 that's hers. Yeah, that's so, amazing. So if she's happy, if I just keep buying her weird Japanese cars, like, all right, cool. Is she a Fiat Jolly fan? Um, she probably would be if she the orange. Yeah, no, know, she, kinda... the POW is basically a Japanese Fiat Jolly sort of with zingy, doors. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's cool. Mm -hmm. What um, I don't know the history behind the smoking tire as far as the name is concerned. Where did the it's name hard to come, come up from? with? It was a tough one. It took me months and months and months it was from the branding company. You know, go to go back to that branding company, we'd have to come up with brands for stuff yeah. all the time. So you have inspiration boards and mm -hmm. you're writing lists. And, you know, um, one day at the branding company, um, Theodora Richards, who is Keith Richards' daughter. Okay. Smoke show. Okay. This chick comes in. Well, she's we're going to help her start a, a denim brand. Okay, fine. And what is, all right, we sit down and we talk to her, you know, what are you into? What kind of activities? What is your day like? What is your attitude? What are you, you know, the, and, and then it was like, all right, well, what's the name of this thing going to be? And, and I just started just writing out, like, I, of course, went to cars. Yeah. And she was something she said was about old cars. She liked old cars. So, so I, you know, 
started writing, you know, Manifold, uh, you know, like. It's uh, uh, kind of a cool denim name. Yeah, well, Manifold. we we ended up on Four Stroke. Okay. Four Stroke Engines. Four Stroke Denim was the name of the brand, which I came up with. Wow. And so I have this background in naming stuff. Yeah. And so um, I used to read this website all the time called The Smoking Gun. Right. Uh, which had, like, the concert riders and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so... You know, it uh, after months and months and months of I thought I thought I would do this like um, confessions thing for a while. I thought it was going to be like like Alcoholics Anonymous, but for drivers, <laughs> Drivers Anonymous was okay. one. The DA. <laughs> um, I actually independently came up with Winding Road before realizing it was already a thing. Mm. There was like a whole bunch of like road and driving and road trip related ones, and I was reading The Smoking Gun, and then I. And then um, someone outside of my house did a, did burnout. a burnout. <laughs> really? And I was like, the smoking tire. Yeah, and I came up with the smoking tire. And then I was like, that's the double entendre because sure. it's like, it's burnouts, but it's also this insider knowledge, you know, giving you that behind the scenes insider uh, info. That's cool. Yeah. It's a good name. Wait. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. And, but it's been around now for so long. We don't that, think like, about it yeah, anymore. Yeah, I was like, at the time, I don't know how he came yeah, up with this. Yeah, but at the time, I was like, oh, my God, this is... And then and then, immediately when I came up with it, I wrote it down, and I went, oh, that's got to be it. And I went and I went to, like, GoDaddy or whatever it was. I was <laughs> yeah. like, because the URL had to be available. Sure. No weird punctuation, no weird spellings. Yeah. You know, like I've that driver's that. anonymous thing I had, there had to be like a hyphen there. And I was like, oh, the hyphen's going to fucking kill me. That can't be it. Dude. It matters less now. But but then it really mattered. Now, like the social handle's got to be available. Right. But but and I was like, oh, my God, this it's available. And I bought it for like three dollars. <laughs> of course. And it was fucking like, yeah, buddy. And now it's nineteen dollars. <laughs> well, well, fuck, you know, for West Side Collector Car Storage. I I wanted to buy WCCS.com. Right. And four letter domain names that start with a W, radio stations right, use right. W's. So yeah. like if you've got a it's so Good it costs luck. it was five thousand dollars. Holy shit. And in high and I went, Oh my god, I can't believe I can't I can't believe I'm about to blow five G's on this. Like but in hindsight It's your name. It was a it was abs it was worth every penny and not to type out West Side Collector say, Car Storage. Yeah. I mean, just WCCS.com is just like, ugh, and it's it's useful for the life of the business. And so I don't miss the five grand, but but, <laughs> right. but it was it seemed like a lot of the time, yeah. Well, you've got over a million subscribers on YouTube, 300K or so, right, on Instagram, something like that. Yeah, yeah. What is the, like, sort of crowd management like? Do you have help? Crowd management? Well, well Zach, you know, just like DMs Zach and normally that. sits in that chair. Yeah, Zach sure. is my co-host on The Smoking Tire yeah. and the producer and mm -hmm. co-host of the podcast. Um, and he also does editing. He edits the videos. So that's, it's a, f so I have, I have a couple jobs. I, I do, I host and, and I also write for the magazine and I also run this business. But sure. Zach's full-time job is everything else for the smoking like tire. So editing stuff. videos. Um, and then we have a small company that we work with that does some of our social posting. So like I, I 
I, I'll just grab my phone and post something on Instagram. Sure. But they have a schedule, so they know when our videos are coming out and our podcasts are coming mm. out, and they cut clips, and they, they, they do that. So we pay them every month to do that, but most of it is me and Zach. Well, I just meant even just from a fan standpoint, like DMs, comments, all that stuff. It's uh, all you still? I mean, yeah, for, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, you're pretty active in the comment. You've also yeah. turned off comments. I did for a time. while. Yeah. yeah, I did for a while. But and they're I, up now. They are. Yeah. Um, what did I change about that? For a while, you were only using desktop, which I thought well, was Well, that actually genius. worked. That worked for a while, and I still only use Twitter on desktop. I don't have Twitter on my phone anymore. Um, I Turning off comments, I, I there were no negative effects of turning off comments at all. As far as like likes or whatever goes. I didn't lose anything. Hmm. Um, but after, I mean, I, I forget why I did it. I mean, it was some kind of, a, it was my mental headspace or something. I just didn't want to hear from fucking people who were, I think it was maybe during, even during the construction, people were like, fucking the number of, at-home contractors that for all of a sudden oh. became experts in construction right. based on seeing a two-by-two two photo of a fucking something, you know, and it just was driving me nuts. And so I turned them off for a while, and then I and then I, I turned them back on whenever my brain felt a little more, you know, balanced. The, the, the thing about the internet is it's got to serve you sure. and not the other way around. And so if I ever felt like this isn't serving me, mm. I would find a way to stop. And so for a long time, I didn't use Instagram on my phone also. Um, and that was not tenable because it's just you, to take a photo and then wait till later to go home and post it. Like it was just easier to just have Instagram on my phone. Um, but <laughs> But right. Twitter, I still don't have on my phone, and I won't have my phone because Twitter, I get I get angrier at <laughs> Twitter. That's crazy. Yeah, but it's what was, what it's was important the, to not let social media run your fucking life. What was the impetus behind starting your YouTube channel? Because like I know you were like detailing cars back in the day, and you were around. Well, cars, we we made our like, first YouTube videos six months after YouTube launched in two thousand six. Like, what gave you like why? <laughs> Do you know what well, I mean? We had the car wash. Larry and I owned so the car was wash. Advertising. Marketing for the car wash. Got it. Yeah. We started this driving club, which was marketing for the car wash. Sure. Because these guys were coming fucking these goombas, because we were in Harrison, New York, was the car wash, which is where all the goombas that left Brooklyn and wanted a backyard went. And so these these hilarious Italians, some of which were actual mafia, some of which were just funny Italians right. would come smoke cigars and hang out at the shop and never fucking leave or do anything with their cars. And so we were like, well, what if we did a thing where their cars got dirty and they'd want to wash their cars? So we started this driving club that they could join. Got and it. We would put on these drives and a lot of people do this now, but in 2006, this was kind of novel. Right. Um, and then they would get their cars washed and then YouTube launched. And I was like, if we made videos of our drives, people across the country could see this cool thing we're doing over here. And so the early videos really looked a lot like skateboarding videos. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah because yeah, that's absolutely. what Tom did. Yeah. Tom Morningstar, who was my cameraman, was like a skate videographer. Got it. And so the videos looked like skate videos. And so we started doing that, and then very quickly it 
became um I became more of a, a right. host. Um, when when did you consider it successful? Like w what was the marker where you like, oh shit. Uh I'm on to something. <laughs> well, I mean, or was almost it just immediately a check showing up. <laughs> well, almost immediately this dude was like, we were making videos for this the our car wash was called the New York Motor Club. We made videos for that. Man, I hope you had that URL. It's a good name. Uh we did. We had mymc.com wow. and newyorkmotorclub.com. Wow. Um I think Larry still owns it actually. Um and uh this guy was starting a YouTube network and almost immediately saw one of my videos and hired me on a salary to go host. Oh wow. Yeah. And so that lasted like a year and a half and then the economy crashed. And then we got fired. The whole the whole company sold cheap to Google, and we got fired. Oh, and no that's way. when we moved to California and started the smoking tire. Ah. So I don't know. I mean, it was a real grind for a really long time. So was California chosen because of like better weather to yeah. make videos? Yeah, you, we could make videos year round. Yeah, that was why we came from New York, and it would we it would snow, it would yeah. rain, Nightmare. and yeah, and so we we came out here on a work trip, and it was like holy fuck, yeah. we're out here. It's January, it's seventy five degrees. We could we're driving a Ferrari, and like it was just it was a no total no brainer. That's awesome. Yeah, and so you was legal. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So you mentioned Zach. He's doing the editing, some of the heavy lifting content-wise. How did you guys connect? Was it like a, a job when posting? When I first or? came out here and started the Smoking Tire with Tom, yeah. Um, within, I mean, not very long. I don't remember if it was a month or three or four months, but it was like real soon after getting here. Yeah. I We also had the Smoking Tire um, website, which is still a website that exists, but now it's just a landing page for all of our other media stuff. Right. It's just like basically like auto-populates. Sure. But back then I used to write on the website and people would send me writing and Zach sent me a bit of writing and he was like, hey man, like I'm a fan of your videos and um, here's some, some writing, let me know what you think. And it was like really good. That's great. And to this day, it was like the only bit of writing anyone has ever really sent where I was like blown away. A bunch of people started writing for The Smoking Tire who now write for other people. This uh, this dude, John Klein, uh, this dude, Colin Woodard, Blake Wrong, um, a, a bunch of folks who now have other writing jobs started by writing for me in the early days of The Smoking Tire. Oh, that's cool. Um, but Zach, I, I was like, he was like, oh, by the way, I live in L.A. And I was like, oh, come come by. Come hang out. Yeah. And so we, we chilled. And, and um, first he started by writing some stuff for The Smoking Tire. And then I was like, do you want to come on a shoot and see how we do this? And then he's, we, you know, we, he didn't have any background in videography at all. And we just like taught him how to make videos. His yeah. videos are great too. Like yeah. when he's you know chit chatting. Well, so. he does. I mean, he does. Yeah, he does um, open mic comedy, and he's done theater groups, and he's done stuff like he's got that. The so yeah. he's yeah. So he's very funny and very quick, and and you know it, it was tough for him in the when he first started hosting videos because the audience was like, "Who's this guy?" You know, <laughs> right. but it, but I knew from the beginning that he would do a, that he could do a good job it yeah, wasn't sure. whether the audience has warmed up to him or not it was not because he wasn't doing a good job it was there just because they were used to seeing me and not him but i think we complement each other well totally 
Yeah. yeah, well, especially on the podcast, for sure. Yeah. Like you, anytime he interjects. And even and when we're doing car reviews, like, yeah, it's I, all very relevant. I have more fun. Like, I used to go out by myself and right. make videos. And, like, I'd rather do it with my friend. Yeah. Like, I, awesome. I'm enjoying it more. How does a successful YouTube channel like yours grow? Like, at this point, like, what are you focused on? Like, ask are, somebody who's growing. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> that answers that. But but so are you are you even worried about that? Is that do you care that it's not growing? Then I mean, you oh, said no, it with I a care. laugh, but I mean, there are things I know what you have to do to grow a channel. Okay, some of those things I am willing to do. Right. Some of those things I'm not willing to do. Well, you said the content, right? So sixteen so, versus eight. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, one of those things is. You know, YouTube has decided that if you want to, if they want you to grow, they want you posting every day. Yeah. No. <laughs> How about fucking no? That's not a lot doing of work. That, yeah. People burn out. I burnt out by after doing four videos a week for three years alone. Yeah. Yeah. And because um, the edit I used takes to edit way those longer. Too. Yeah, I was gonna say I was edit. editing those also. Yeah. <laughs> and That's so, the work. That's yeah, the work. Yeah. And and also, um, you know. Uh, I mean, part of it is you by making content and keep making content, yeah. right? And then there's other what they call best practices. The YouTuber face in the thumbnail. Yeah. You know, using bright yellow text. Like, just shit like that that, right. that helps you stand out. Um, and look like Walmart. But I mean... <laughs> but if it works... Look, we've, we've, we've had the studies done. Yeah. No, paid, no, no, I've no. I've paid yeah. experts. You right, know, right. I don't... I don't do that shit because I think it looks cool. No, no, I'm not, I'm, that wasn't an attack at yeah. you at all. It's, Everybody it's, does. It's more like, yeah, it's like what sells versus like what. It's a struggle that I have yeah. with my own brand. Like, yeah. do I want to release this product? Well, I want to design this way. Well, I also know that I'm like the 0.01% that wants it that way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, it's tough for me because I don't consume a lot of YouTube content. Okay. There are other YouTube creators right. who consume a ton of YouTube content and I just don't like and that's uh, that's just like not how I choose to consume content so I know there are also like groups of YouTubers too that like quite literally give each other advice and they have like their own little chat groups and stuff like mm -hmm. that which is I mean cool as a community well I I are talk you tight I mean, with I'm friends with a bunch of people? them okay. yeah I'm friends with Doug Demuro sure. I'm friends with Freddie Hernandez I'm friends with Ed Bolian um, I'm friends with Amelia Hartford and Rob Ferretti, and you know we we talk to each other and yeah. we we discuss. I mean, not always work, and usually right. it's almost never work. But, yeah, that's. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, but I, a lot of these guys are like, I don't really call myself a YouTuber. Right. You know, I'm an automotive journalist, which means I do car reviews. I mean, that's really what my channel is it's car review so it's not it's not like um youtube is just the outlet for your product right yeah, yeah. and i got a lot of, like freddie and and amelia and rob dom like they're not doing what I, they're they're doing these builds and they're doing like youtuber shit mm -hmm. that is more successful on youtube than what i'm doing now mm -hmm. the most successful thing i ever did on youtube was driving people's personal cars and like evaluating their modified cars, which the audience loved mm -hmm. and I didn't love. Interesting. I did. I didn't enjoy that that much. Why it was not? what because I would much rather go. 
here's multinational corporation. They've built a product and they want you, customer, to spend $100,000 on that product. Yeah. Should you? Should you not? Have they done a good job? Right. What could they do better? As opposed to, here's Dave. Yeah, yeah. Dave modified yeah. his car <laughs> yeah. in a way that suited his personal needs. Did Dave do a good job based on my criteria? Right. And oh, by the way, Dave's going to fucking sit here yeah, next to you, <laughs> next to me while I drive this car. And that doesn't mean I'm not appreciative of the people who bought, brought me cars. And that doesn't mean no, sure. that, yeah. you know, that that I didn't enjoy meeting them and hanging out with them. Yeah. But but it but but to, to drive a car for 15 minutes, mm -hmm. decide whether this dude or girl did a good job modifying the car. They wanted to modify the, their way, according right. to my standards, was ultimately unrewarding. I see what you compared mean. Compared to driving new product that's really engineered by people whose job it is to engineer it and then giving consumer advice based on that. Yeah, sure. No, and so makes... I found other ways to replace that income. You know, like my channel is not doing as well as it was before. But we're making more money as a company mm. because of the podcast, because of my writing, right. because of other other things. But you know, I had a I had three years or four years of incredible growth that's kind of over now, and there's almost nothing I could do to get it back. Interesting. Yeah. Once that momentum stops, it's stopped. So it's fine. Yeah. It I seems like get, you're at peace with it. I am. I, yeah. We still earn a living. Yep. I still drive press cars. I still review them. I still they, I still get views. I still sell ads against the views, but the the time of big growth for that part of my career I think has ended. That's cool. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cuz so, honestly, making videos, the physical making of the videos mm -hmm. is probably the least fun part of the job. Well, waking up at 5 a.m. and you know. Yeah, driving into the middle of the desert. I, I like the driving part of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, of course. But sure. if I had to choose writing articles, recording, doing radio here in my studio, or creating or or making videos, making videos is the most amount of work for the least amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, beating your head against the wall to a certain degree. There. I'm not saying I'm day. not, and I'm not ungrateful either. Yeah, I mean, sure, I, sure. I understand how I got here, and yep. I chose to make videos, but mm -hmm. I've done. 2,000 of them. What's your favorite release this year, car-wise? My favorite car that's come out this year? Hmm, trying to think. GT4 RS? That's a good one. Hard to beat that one. GT4 RS, pretty fucking good. I saw that the LA Auto Show, and it was just like, I can't yeah, believe they're doing it. That's like, fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's amazing. Car. Yeah, really, really good. What's in the garage right now? You have six cars, you said? Uh, I think, yeah. You got I, Lambo. Countach, Ferrari 328. I want to ask you about that. Uh, I've got uh, an E46 M3. That's my favorite. That's that's here. It's back over there. Um, that's my favorite M3 I've got, uh, yeah, it's great. Um, the Mach-E. Sure. Wife's Pow. Wife's Delica. Okay. Uh, Aston Martin Vanquish. That's a seven. Oh, you do yeah. have that car. The manual, manual swapped Completely Aston Vanquish. forgot about that And one. then I've got... Uh, a Honda Monkey. What? Yeah. I've got a... What the... What is a Honda Monkey? I'm sorry. It's a little motorcycle. Okay. All right. It's a mini motorcycle. That's why I don't know about yeah. it. Yeah. And I've got a Vespa. Sick. Um, and I've got a... Uh, 
that's that's it for my cars right now. And then I'm driving the the Bronco Raptor press car, which okay, is parked that's outside the today, car. the green one. Yeah. Well, part of the reason I ask is because like I always joke that I'm customer number one of Standard mm-hmm. H Apparel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how much of West Side Collectors was was uh, necessity like your customer oh, number one? <laughs> oh, a bunch. Yeah. Okay. Right. No, the whole idea. I mean, obviously, I didn't invent the idea of oh, luxury sure. car storage by right. any means, but I a friend of mine owned a, a building in West LA. Um, very nice guy, very wealthy individual, yeah. and, and owned this this little commercial building, um, and he kept his cars there. And he said, I could keep my cars there. Yeah. And um, he moved away from L.A. He moved to San Francisco area. Okay. And he wasn't going to sell the building. And he said, look, if you act as the caretaker, you know, and, and take care of the building and make sure everything's good to go, you can just keep your cars here. No problem. Sweet. And um, and then when, when I um, – I, I mentioned I used to work for this exotic car rental company, Gotham Dream Cars. One of the things I did, one of my side hustles, because it's L.A. and you got to have 75 side hustles, was was I helped them open their L.A. location. And when they first opened their L.A. location, I connected them with my friend, and then they used the building also. Ah. So I had my cars there, and we had the rental cars there. Everybody and we wins. Were, and we were, yeah. And then that uh, uh, Gotham Dream Cars um, sold to Beverly Hills Rent-A-Car, and it still operates on the East Coast, but on the West Coast, it's just Beverly Hills Rent-A-Car. And then my friend told me he's selling the building. Okay. So at first, I thought I may I might buy it for myself, and it was very expensive, and if it was just going to be me, it, it was not going to work. Right, right. And then I thought, okay, well, maybe if I get a bigger building and split it with a couple people, and, and, and it just, the math didn't work until I got to this big thing um and so you know to answer the long story short is like yeah i needed space too like i needed to keep my cars somewhere also yeah um but i figured you know if if i have this need and i've been before we got to this i i called all the other existing storage places and i found them to be inadequate for my needs got it Either the location, or the offerings, or the price, or whatever, sure. did not suit my needs. Yeah, and I thought, well, if I have these needs and I'm having trouble meeting them, right. maybe there's some other folks who live where I live and are having trouble as well. Or they just don't know what they don't know. Or they don't know what they don't know. And, to them, it's yeah. And so I, um, yeah. So I, I took my what I had learned from seeing all these other places and tried to put it into into this one. Well, it's beautiful. A little man. better. Like, you've done a hell of a job. Um, I mean, just like everything, all the small touches. I think we talked about it earlier. With like, Well, some of it is legal, you know, mandated, mm-hmm. right? The the earthquake and oh, all sure. that. Yeah. And then other stuff is, is choice. You no, know? I meant the feel, right? Oh. Like, the second you walk in, you know? like Yeah, you, well, you when you walk like in here, in you want to know. You're being taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. People pay a lot of money to park their cars here, and and you want to know that it's not just a parking space. You've got a team that's looking out for for your car and that really cares, you know, that your car is is taken care of mm-hmm. better than anywhere else. And, yeah, you know, 
There's important important details. So we're probably around the same age. You mentioned posters on the wall as a kid, mm-hmm. hence the Countach. But you also have the 328 Ferrari that you mm-hmm. mentioned a moment ago. I've never driven those cars. Yeah. What? How are they similar? How are they different? Well, they both have dog leg gated shifters. Okay. You know, so the basic mechanics of them are pretty similar. Pretty similar. I mean, they're they're both you know 80s Italian, so their seating positions are odd. Right. Um, is it offset? A little offset. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Ferrari is much easier to use just as a car. Mm. Um, you know, it has a it it has um, uh, the controls are a little lighter. Um, there's a little better airflow <laughs> through the cabin. You can take the roof. It's a GTS, so sure. I take the roof off. I, I I probably drive it with the roof off 95% of the time. Cool. Um, it's a little smaller. It's got a little better visibility, the Ferrari. So it's it's easier to use just as a car, whereas the Countach, you know, driving it is really the occasion. You what? know, it's a point A to point A kind of car. Yeah, cool. What should people know about your car, the 328? versus like the 308 GTS that was made famous by Magnum? Um, I, I mean, I like a 328 better than a 308. They're, they're very similar cars. Um, I like the 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 restyled front and rear bumpers uh, where they're painted to match. Mm-hmm. They're not black on, right. on the 328. And the 2.8 engine, I'm sorry, excuse me, the 3.2 engine in my car, it, it makes... Uh, about 40 extra horsepower, but more importantly, like 50 extra torque. Okay. Um, so it, you know, the 308s are great, especially the early cars. They really are light and agile, mm. but the, they got that, that engine got kind of choked by emissions controls and stuff like that. And so the later 308s are kind of dogs. I see. They don't feel that quick. They sound great, but they don't feel that quick. The 328 actually feels kind of quick. I mean it's not by by modern standards well, it's sure. not, but it but it it makes enough power where you actually feel like you're you're doing something. Well, I mean it's um, my understanding too. I haven't driven like a 1960s Porsche mm-hmm. either, but like my understanding is that you don't have to be going fast to feel like you're going fast. Correct. Yeah, yeah. no, all, I mean so, also that. I mean yeah. I also that so I, I like fun. the cars from the 80s to own mm-hmm. because I I the modern stuff that I drive, the McLarens and all yeah. this stuff, is crazy fast. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't necessarily feel all that special when you're going slow. You got to be really going. Right. And so the the Ferrari, um, I can I can drive it at five tenths and go for a nice cruise, and it's very engaging and it yeah. makes really nice sounds. And I love the gated shifter, the click, and and stuff like that. Yeah. It's a it's a lovely little thing. It's cool. What is um, is there a car that you wish you hadn't sold? No, uh, well that's not true. I mean, at, uh, when I was younger, I mean, when I was like in my twenties, I made a very bad trade. Okay, um, I I had an Audi S four, oh. um, a B B six S four, two thousand five, and I traded it for a Hummer H one. Okay, so that was the short the V8. block V8. It was the V8 car, yeah. For a yeah. Hummer H1. For a Hummer H1, which financially the, they they were they were aligned, compatible. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it um, the Hummer was such a shitbox. I mean, it was horrible, <laughs> and it it just the idea of I wanted to be somebody I wasn't. Right. 
I'm not a Hummer guy, nor was I ever, but I wanted to be Hummer guy at that time. This was 2005. Right. And so um, I traded the car, and it was it was a bad trade. And I, three months later, I traded the Hummer straight up for a John Cooper Works Mini, which was one of the best cars I ever had. The 06, it was incredible. I got a monster speeding ticket on the way home from the dealer driving. <laughs> really? Yeah, like 97 oh, and a 50. Day. Yeah, going home from the dealer. Like, I got a huge ticket that day getting home. And I was like, well, this is going to be an expensive one, this car. Um, um, but uh, I also owned a um, a very nice, very clean, stock, low-mileage R32 GTR for 04. about six months. Huh? Oh, oh, sorry, GTR. No, G- R32 GT- Nissan Skyline no, GTI. GTR. Okay. No, GTR for, for like, uh, it was like a 90. Yeah. And I doubled my money in six months on it, and it seemed like the right thing to do. When I lost that building, when my friend sold the building, okay. one of the parts in that story I skipped over was that I had to massively downsize my collection. Mm. I had like seven cars. Oh, wow. And I lost this building. So I had to like get rid of four cars. Now, fortunately, I was able to get out. I didn't have to like sell them for half what they were worth. I was able sure. to to get you made out all right yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. um i sold my corvette i sold my delorean i sold and i sold my um the skyline and then i ended up selling my fox body mustang also and um and i got out of all of them fine but um at the time it made sense to sell that skyline um but now that i have more space to keep it i wish i had it still um, and the guy offered to sell it back to me for a lot more money than I sold oh, I it to him. <laughs> and I was like, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So maybe I'll get another Skyline one day. But um, that's the only one where I miss the actual car. Well, if I decide to sell something, it's because mentally it's already it's gone. It's already gone. Yeah, 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 yeah mentally yeah. it's done. Sure. Um, just wrapping up here, we can't talk without talking Pearl Jam for a second. Sure. Uh, Pearl Jam 10 was the first... CD I ever bought with mm-hmm. my own money. Mm-hmm. Mine too. Although I bought two other two other cassettes. That, that was day. The, that was the first one you ever got. With your I own bought money? yeah. I bought Aero, Aerosmith Get a Grip, Pearl Jam Ten, and um, oh, what was the other one? Uh, Van Halen. Uh, I bought on on the same day. First, my first. Uh, was that like a Greatest Hits or something of Van Halen? What was that? No, one? it was older. I want to say it was like 1980. Okay. It was the one with Jump on it. Whatever that, whatever that was. was. Yeah, I think it was 1984. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. First Sam Goody, you know, solo mission. Is that in the city? Sam Goody was like the. Did they? they have no, 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 no. Totally. Yeah. Oh, this but, was in the suburbs. Was in the city. No, it was oh, sub- okay. Like suburbia. Because yeah, I know yeah. it was like super popular in the northeast. Yeah, yeah. Down a, where we were. That was, it was the like northeast record store. CD yeah. superstore. Yeah. Like whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Sam Goody definitely yeah. existed in North Carolina. But yeah. Matt, thank you. This was awesome. Oh yeah, no problem. Happy to do it. Thanks for coming to me. Yeah. Make my, I'm, I'm very comfortable in this right. studio. It <laughs> yeah, makes my life a lot easier. These these seats are they're they're cozy. The Capisco chairs. Yeah. Yeah, they're very good. If you got to, if you have to do a lot of radio, they're good for your back. Yeah, they. I mean, I tend to slouch, which I'm yeah. sure on camera looks really great, but like, oh well. First we'll time on it. first time on video for yeah, the show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you I'm gonna throw this up you... on YouTube because right. I usually just have a still static image. Mm-hmm. But I was well, like, now Shit. you have a now you so have like, a real yeah, one. Let's run it. Cool. Well, thanks for Thank having you, me. Man. Absolutely. Yeah, this was awesome. Yeah. Really. I'll see you at Luft maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I guess was it? They just announced it. Was that October? Today? Tomorrow tickets go on sale, I guess. Uh, t- I think it's October what? 
something? August? When yeah. is it? Let's see. September. I think tickets October are October 9th. August. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. I'll, I'll be there. in a couple months. Are you going to Pebble? I wish. I've never been. No. It's a bucket list. I recommend it. I don't know why I haven't been. I have no excuse. I'm dying to go. Yeah, it's a good... It's Can't a, go I go every, I go probably go like every three years or so. I don't go every year. I'm leaving Wednesday for eight days to go to Utah hmm. in my brother-in-law's Rivian truck. Oh, interesting. So we're just doing a big road trip. My wife, my brother-in-law, he works there. Oh. And uh, yeah, it should be fun. Cool. That'll be fun as long as your charging stations work. Other yeah. than that, it'll be fucking yeah, yeah. terrible. Oh, thanks uh, for having we'll, me. Well, we could talk offline about that some more. Uh, <laughs> I, I talk on the record about that other, shit. Other details. All right, cool. So, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. See you later. Okay. This wraps up this episode of the Standard Age Podcast. If you like what you heard, I'd love it if you'd share it with a friend or two. And if you have a moment, please rate and review the show as it helps others discover these episodes. It absolutely helps far more than you realize. Shout out to Jensen Reed and Super Beautiful for the theme track, as well as to Clear Audio for the noise-canceling headphones. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one. Take care.